Kicking in the driveway, you know I did. When I shoot my shot, it's the Kawhi is going in. Being love sick, I'm sitting sideways, breaking tense. Used to be an antisocial nigga, now I'm making friends. All right, episode 33, Social Witnessing. Hope you enjoyed that new intro. Just uh, fumbled the word enjoyed. But there you have it. It's the, that kind of day. Lazy Sunday evening. Hi. Hi. I thought it would play and we would hear it. I, did, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't realize only they were going to hear it. Oh, okay, I see. I see how this works. Yeah. How's it going? Here, I've been packing all day. Oh, no, I was asking them. They're, they're not going to answer you, so it's really me. Duh. Some of them might have just answered. No. Hey, I'm good. <laughs> Michelle cutting me off again. Just let me speak. Okay, how are you doing, Michelle? Yeah, I've actually packed a lot. I got through a lot today. I'm almost out of boxes, which is giving me anxiety and... I don't know. You need. It's funny how you have anxiety about some things, and I have anxiety about other things. And you're too laissez-faire about boxes right now. Like I literally am down to four block boxes. Okay, this is day one of packing with still two weeks. Like we only found out <laughs> essentially yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Literally yesterday. Today, right now, I'm staring at a living room, which we still have to, in a tiny apartment, which we still have to use for two weeks with a six-year-old child at home, twenty-four-seven. And I'm staring at, like, a solid 12 boxes. Big, like, not the little boxes. Like, big, big boxes all around. And uh, she wants more boxes. And I said, (laughs) how are we going to live in here for these next two weeks? I've got a plan for some more boxes over there. But I think it's this is a testament to how well I have used our small space. You see, like, where did all this stuff come from? This is stuff we don't use on a regular basis. And I have just everything put in its place. I've done, I think I've spoken about this before. I really like tiny living. I love the concept. And if we weren't going through this, I'd still be into it. But I've done a lot of storage and small living solutions. And now look at all this stuff is coming out where you can see it. Speak of, speaking of tiny living, is that what it's called? Tiny, small, what? Small tiny, houses. Tiny house. Tiny house? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about some big news for your mom in case she's listening? Shout yeah. out Sherry. Sherry. Uh, setting us up for the next disaster. We're going to our secret place uh, in northern BC. Me and my mom might have bought a property there. Did you say you and your mom? To our secret place in that. What? Did you say you and your mom bought a place? No. Oh. My mom might have bought a place. Like, something's going on here. <laughs> no. I don't know about You're siphoning money. <laughs> No. Money laundering? No, my mom. My mom might have bought a place. It was always her plan. It's always been her plan to buy a place where we could all go if things got bad and it could be used as a vacation place until then. So, AKA a bug out place? Yes, called a bug out place. Uh, my mom is a well-prepared doomsdayer. I don't think she believes the world is going to end, but in case it does, be prepared sort of idea. You want to talk about the property and like the house and... Yeah, so it's like a nice property. It has a, a creek running through it. I forget how many hectares it is. It's big. And there's... Uh, it was like a ridiculous amount of hectares, though. It was like yeah. 120. No, that's always been... It might be 160. It's always been her plan. It, it, a bug-out place is someplace you can go and not be around other humans. 
Yeah, like you wouldn't really, want to be you're near really not other. around human. Other yeah, humans. that's the, that was the whole point of of going to that place. Yeah. So yeah, no humans. Although there is a small town kind of close, and anyway, so if she if it goes through and she's able to purchase it, it has a small cabin on it right now that's off the grid, and yeah, we can go camping there to start, and then her idea was always that tiny house that we could buy a tiny house and haul it up there, and we'd have our own little cabin house on her property so i didn't know much about tiny houses other than what michelle watches on netflix um but they're i mean i guess it's tiny compared to like buying an apartment in vancouver some of them are like 420 square feet or more our apartment is 530 square feet that's what i mean like even when my mom one day was like lecturing us about tiny houses and tiny living i'm like I live in 530 square feet. Like, I'm living the tiny house dream here. Like, if... if and we this... spent way more than 60K, which is the number you gave me for, like, an average of a tiny house. Yeah, they can get more expensive. You can... I think they go as low as 40 for, like, that basic model, especially if you get... Like, you can even get tiny house shipping containers. You can buy a shipping container, yeah. and they just fab it into a tiny house. You feel like living in a shipping container? The shipping containers kind of worry me. I just don't... I don't know why. Because it's a shipping container. <laughs> shipping container, you feel like you're about to get suffocated to death if someone closes like, the door. Like it's like I'm living a human trafficking nightmare. Yeah. Like yeah. I just don't want to ever live in a shipping container. Like yeah. I and I just no, I don't like the idea. But of some of them are nice. Some of the ones you've shown me on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, Especially- I like more the ones that are on wheels. Like because the idea is, if you had it, there's ones that are built on wheels to sit somewhere and there's ones that are built so you can actually move them from place to place i like that idea like that one family that had like a double a double length one it was almost like two trailers or it's like a semi a semi trailer rather than just a regular trailer you would haul behind your normal truck and they had a family of with four kids and they lived in it and they had it just set up but when you watch the documentary that they did they go through all the things they had to change about it to make it something you can move Mm-hmm. because the thing is like moving things you have to think about how you build your cupboards it's it's like a boat it's like constructing a boat like it's going to be moving you have to think about like lips on the counter and things like that how are you going to like secure everything while you're moving and then also like uh sewage and water and heat and all those sorts of things because they those, were going all over the states those so. are the parts where i just like when i actually think about it i'm like uh, like the bathrooms the showers like yeah it's like yeah I mean, I've experienced some of it in, like, camp life um, and camping, but not my favorite thing to, like... Like, you wouldn't have a fresh water source, right, for your showers, or would you? Well, that's the thing with having a creek. You could. So, in some of these, one, uh, the people live off the grid, you can get a composting toilet with peat. And then I watched quite a few on those, and they were saying, like, it's totally fine. Like, it doesn't smell bad. It actually is composting. It's, you don't have to, like, empty it. Does it, it still go... Oh, you don't have to empty it? It's, it doesn't go into, like, a bin? Oh, maybe it does, but by the time it's in the bin, it's not disgusting. Because with the peat and how everything... It's not, like... What's peat? It's, like, peat moss. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, by the time you... It, anyway, there's, like... I watched one and a couple that were doing it, and they were saying, yeah, they were apprehensive about what it would be like, and they said, actually, it wasn't that bad, which is surprising. And then also with the water... You can get water filtration systems, so like this, like if you buy a creek. I don't know what the water, I'm assuming it's quasi-clean, probably not drinkable, but then you could pump water from the creek into a tank and then clean it Hmm. and go from there. But no, you usually have to have some sort of water source because you don't want to be trucking in water. That's a lot of work. 
But yeah, the property, like she sent us pictures and the property looked beautiful. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of like in the forest, removed from everyone. It's all green and uh, their little house is like, well, it's like a cabin, I guess, kind yeah. of, half cabin. Yeah, so... So you need some big dogs and guns, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'm so anti-gun until it's like... Go live in the wilderness. And I'm like, I'm going to need a gun. I'm going to need three guns. I'm for sure going to need a gun. And like, I think I've been to a a gun range once and I didn't like it. And whenever I watch things about America, I'm like, oh my God, like, why would you want a gun? But yeah, when I think about living in the middle of nowhere, I'm like, number one item, gun. Yeah, because that's where all the horror stories, like growing up at summer camp, like that was literally the horror story. It was some crepsy guy who would just like come out from the wilderness and just like butcher children (laughs) well for me it's not only that it's like well you know like I lived on a a hobby farm when I was little and like one of my strongest memories of shit that can go wrong is when our rooster became like feral and attacked my brother he was already an aggressive rooster but he was really it was a really big rooster and no one could go outside in the yard and we were all scared of this freaking crazy rooster that would attack you and yeah, one day, I guess he got my brother bad enough. And then that was like the end of the rooster. But my dad, it's not like he walked out and shot the rooster. He, from the house, like ever, that's, everyone was afraid of the rooster, like shot the rooster from the house. We weren't even she going just outside. like, toe punt it. <laughs> no, it's like this fucking crazy bird. And I would never, it's like, oh, I love that rooster. Oh, he's such a beautiful rooster. Anyway. Things like that. Like, once you get into those situations, sometimes it's animals you have to deal with, not necessarily murderers, you know, so... Crepsy. And even just for fear, too, like, you know, like, when we watch the thing on the farm and there's all the coyotes all the time and things like that, like, it would probably bring you some relief to be able to fire a gun in the air before you walk out on your property in the night, you know, like, Yeah, I just watched a video on TikTok of people in Whistler, like, living in a nice house and outside... They're just like flimsy little glass sliding door. There was a mama bear with three cubs. Oh, jeez. And, and like the cubs were just chilling in the sun, like lying on their backs. Like, <laughs> and all these guys were like inside their house just watching and recording and laughing. And everybody was like, stay the hell away. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be kind of creepy to have a property where it's just like she said it was in the comments I was reading. She said the they're fairly regular visitors and mm. and whenever they're out there like the family they have to just have like loud music playing yeah to let so the players know that there's somebody here. here so that's uh our new place that was one of the things remember when we were talking to mm-hmm. her and i was like oh yeah hikes and then she like just like deadpan looks at me there's bears yeah. <laughs> just like don't forget there's you're on a mountain like there's bears and i'm like oh right and cougars so like a lot of times where we've hiked before they're pretty busy provincial parks like i don't think there's as many i think i was worried about cougars on one so I, like bam couldn't go too far but yeah it's more not for me more for our dog like we just have this little passive little oh i'm worried for me non-dog <laughs> anyway yeah that'll be interesting i think um maybe not this summer well first we'll see if she buys it and then we'll see what next steps happen but i know for us this next year is a test to see how we do living out of the city Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still in a city, but it's not Van- downtown Vancouver. It's still townhouses. Yeah, and there's still, like, you can still drive to, like, sushi and things like that. But, yeah, like, how are we going to fare not being one block away from... 
Yeah, just walking distance to literally everywhere. And, like, today I started to have, like, fears about, like, I have been a beachgoer for so many years now. And I'm not saying, like, go lie on the sand. I mean just walking along the seawall and being at the water all the time. And it's just such a calming, like, waking Mm -hmm. up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday is not my dream. But then, and, like, in the rain. But then heading down to the beach and doing it is, like, wonderful. Mm -hmm. So not having that anymore, I don't know. We'll see. That'll miss. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the thing, but also, like, the fact that we have a, a deck now, so we, we've spoken about this before, but our, the last 11 years, we've lived in a place where we get sunshine, when there is sunshine in Vancouver, which is only a couple months a year, we get it from, like, 7 to 10 a.m., and that's it, so if mm-hmm. you don't get your sun early, you're done, and now, apparently, we're gonna have, well, we do have a large deck, and apparently, it gets sun like basically around the clock. It's high enough. There's nothing blocking it. Um, and it's south facing. And so for me, like that's what I always crave, like just to be able to have sun. And so like the on- the only reasons I would go down to the beach is to get the sun because since we don't get it here. Mm-hmm. And so now to just go outside my kitchen and sit in sun for a couple of hours just seems like the greatest gift ever. Like, I'm, I'm more excited about that than anything else, I think. Yeah. Mine was more I just liked, like, obviously we couldn't do it in the summer because of the park wardens, is that what you call them? <laughs> but the rest of the year, like, it was more just going down in the morning and Bam could just be off leash. And we just, like, walk and walk down the beach and she could just be doing whatever she wants. And there's nowhere for her to go. There's no traffic. There's no animals that can eat her down there other than maybe the odd dog. But you see them coming. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's a life change. It'll be good. <clears throat> Anyways, should we move on to the rest of the world? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was what's happening in our house today. Let's go back to Elon Musk, hey. shall we? Elon Musk is working on a device called a neural Neuralink. It is a brain implant that fixes. It basically does. anything and everything you can imagine about the brain. It fixes eyesight, it helps brain disease, it cures epilepsy, it like does all this stuff. It's a little device, they drill into your skull, they put this round little device in, they attach some very thin wires, as he described it, um, to the spots that are needed based on what your ailment is. And um, yeah, it's just like, you know, the, the beginning of the cyborg days, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says his chance of putting it in a human. Oh, no, he said there's a chance of putting it in a human within a year. So, for example, people who have never been able to see, they'll get this device and boom, you can see now. Uh, he mentioned hearing. He mentioned uh, epilepsy. Also, uh, some help with Alzheimer's. Um yeah, just a bun- bunch of stuff like that. Basically, anything that can go wrong with the brain, this um, kind of surgery and implant will be able to fix that. And Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just skeptical, or uh, maybe I have more questions. But like, for I don't instance, have any answers for you, but okay. Okay, so like for sight, I've like heard other stories where they do like eye transplants or whichever, but because your brain never actually learned to see, 
even when they can see, like they can see the world, your brain can't process the information. So like someone was telling me the story about a man who got the ability to see, but he couldn't recognize his family. And so, but if he closed his eyes and felt their faces, he knew who everyone was. But yeah, like your brain like doesn't learn because you missed that chance for it to learn how to process sight. It, you can't see still. Yeah, I feel like it would definitely be a process. Um, but I have one more question. Yeah. Okay, so in, in the ones where your brain actually deteriorates, like when you see with sports players and, and other um, types of dementia and things like that, where the brain mm. actually is like, looks like it's corroding away. How does it fix that? There's nothing to fix. It's being, like, lost. Yeah, I mean, it creates new pathways or re-stimulates the old pathways oh, that so have broken down. maybe it growing again. Yeah, who knows? I mean, nobody has the answers to this other than Elon. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy that this could happen within a year. And then even crazier was, this was on, uh, on Joe Rogan, our favorite news source. Um, and they were talking about being able to communicate without words. To just like think if like we both have these brain implants that we'll be able to communicate and um elon was talking about how language is so like you you have a thought that's like complicated and, and, and intense and you have to s- siphon it down to just what you can explain and then the person receiving it has to receive it reprocess it and by the time they have the idea they get the idea through to them it's like this watered down kind of almost meaningless compared to the origin of the idea mm-hmm. and he says through this device we'll have we'll be able to have languageless and, it, and he says this is like long 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 way away um this is just in theory for now but he believes it's not really that out of reach and so rogan was kind of pushing him like how long how long and he, elon said Best case scenario, this is the best if everything goes exactly right and technology continues to, um, uh, what's the word? Not expand. Progress. Progre- yeah, there's another word they used, can't remember. But yeah, basically uh, progress at the current rate that it has, then um, we won't have to talk anymore in five years. That's the best case scenario that we'll be able to communicate essentially telepathically within five years. And then he said a more realistic version is 10 years and joe was like five years 10 years that's soon that's not like a long time (laughs) he's like like, i invented before we're 50 you know like how many things has he invented already he's probably like joe that's a long time so he he's given up all he's in the process of giving up all his worldly possessions he's selling all his houses his cars essentially other than like a couple teslas which he uses for research and stuff um and joe's like so what are you gonna do rent and he's like, yeah. <laughs> so Elon Musk, one of the richest people in the world, is going to be renting. And uh, if you want to go buy his house, he owns uh, Gene Wilder's old house, which he says was like a crazy kind of strange house. Exactly what you'd expect out of Gene Wilder with like doors to nowhere and like everything's kind of crooked. You know Gene Wilder? Mm-mm. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so anyways, he bought his house, but yeah, that one he's selling too. So he's selling all his stuff and he said for a few, for a while now, he's been thinking of kind of going possessionless. He says it makes him a target to own all this stuff and, um, he doesn't need it. And I guess he's proven he can have it. And it, well, it's right. much easier for someone like that. Cause like Joe was joking and if you don't like it, you just buy it all back. Yeah. So that's a nice luxury. It's not like us selling everything and then, you know, <laughs> but it's very Gary Vee. 
that's Gary Vee too. Like he always preaches about not like, I know Elon has enough money to invest in other things. He doesn't necessarily have to do it, but Gary Vee's always preaching that for the average person. Like if Mm -hmm. you want to like what Elon's doing, if you want to discover things and build businesses, businesses and doing all these things, ownership is what holds you back. Mm -hmm. Like owning things is what holds you back. So the less you own, the more you fund your dreams. And Elon was talking about, like, he thought of building this big house, and then he was like, why am I going to spend the next X amount of time building a house when I could be progressing humanity going to Mars? Like, mm-hmm. it was like, build a house, go to Mars. So it's not a very difficult choice. So it's like choice. the same thing, just on such a higher level. Yeah. Like <laughs> Gary Vee's like, sell shoes on eBay or own a house? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Gary, like, Gary's like, Mars. have freedom. Yeah. Be free or own a house. That's, That's true. That was yeah. a joke. Okay, fine. Whatever, whatever. Also, and this will be our last Joe Rogan-inspired thing for today, I believe, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who you really love. I love Dr. Rhonda. And I found out my brother loves Dr. Rhonda, so clearly we're related. That's so awesome. She's uh, some sort of doctor. I don't really know much about her. She's a medical doctor, but um, I think she's more research-based. Right. So you know her through uh, intermittent fasting. That's who got you on it. Through Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah, watching Joe Rogan. She was on there and she was talking about all the... um, So she had... So she's friends with scientists, obviously. And she had had a study... When a friend of hers was doing a study on intermittent fasting and they were doing it in mice. And they were talking about how when the mice were intermittent fasting, okay, same caloric intake except one, you only ate within eight hours of the day, then that group, even though both groups had the same amount of calories, the same amount of exercise, the one that only ate within that certain window naturally gained more muscle, were leaner, and they had other benefits. And then they went on to do that study also in humans. And one of the big things they found were... um, So they said nurses, apparently, in the United States have one of the highest percentages of breast cancer. And they said one of the things that happens is that your your liver... So the minute you start eating, your liver turns on. And you have this, like, peak of when you're... um, all the like chemicals and digestive enzymes and everything that's functioning in your body. You're at, there's a peak, <coughs> peak when your liver is at its best point to filter out toxins, basically, for you. And then the decline happens throughout the day. And so if you're eating within that window, if you're taking in toxins, you're cleaning as much out as you can. But when you eat after that window, you're getting that buildup and you're getting that toxicity. So nurses who work shift work and end up eating at night and other times, this is way more. This is like the high level of what this is about. This, go read about it. It's so interesting. Anyway, have a higher rate of breast cancer. So they took a group that were, um, had, were in remission. And they they took like a control group and um, the test group. And then what they did was they put them on this intermittent fasting and and then they had the control group. And what they found is everyone on in the test group that they did either never got cancer again or became totally cancer free. Like, I guess there's different terms for levels and it's like they were no longer in remission. They were cancer free. Mm -hmm. And then the other group, some of them got cancer again. So they're saying like how our bodies digest food and when it should be digesting food. Like if you eat a normal diet, not too much fat, not too much sugar, but just a normal diet. Like if you just ate within this window, it's so much better for you because you're removing as much toxins as possible. And then you build muscle without exercising more than someone else, which I thought was crazy. And yeah, that was a long story to tell you about it, but I did it and it totally works. 
Like, it's totally true. It makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, because you're not going to be eating for more than 10 hours a day back when, back when we began. Yeah. Or, yeah, developing into who we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd have your, your sunlight hours to eat and hunt, and after that, that was it. So an important thing to note, since I know a lot of, there's a lot of people that talk about different types of intermittent fasting, but this one was really based on the first time you take anything that makes your liver function. So the minute you do anything but drink water, that's your, when your window starts. And it should really be like you wake up, your eyes are triggered by the light, your, di- your system starts warming up, and then you usually start with like your glass of water to kickstart your digestive system, and then you would start eating. But I know some of them, they say drinking coffee outside your window is okay. But when you think about it from a health perspective, not a weight loss perspective, then the drinking coffee is the start of your window. That seems like a really hard way to start your, to start your digestive system with coffee. That's how, that's how I used to do it every single day. But then because of this, I had to change it because you can't have coffee. So then I'd wait to have my coffee until I was actually going to start eating. Which yeah. was really tough at first, but you get over it and you change. Anyway, it totally works. I When I first did it, I don't even know. I think I lost 10 pounds. I'm pretty sure I lost 10 pounds. Like I was at my average weight. I could hold it no problem. Like I could eat whatever and usually stay around that range. And all I did, I didn't change what I ate at all. All I did was change the times when I ate. Mm. And I'm a big 11 o'clock eater. And I get a really bad sugar crash around 11, then I eat, and then I wake up with a really bad stomach ache. It's just a ritual. But then got rid of that, no longer had stomach aches, lost 10 pounds, and could visibly see that I was, it was easier to gain muscle. Hmm. So, yeah, if anybody wants to try it, I really, I, it just worked so well. And then I didn't have half the digestive problems I have now. Quarantine has made me start eating at 11 again just because I have nothing to do. But, yeah, I'm back on it during the week oh and you only have to do it five days a week Mm. it's not an everyday thing to see results so passionate so that's intermittent fasting um (laughs) for you let's talk about new things she said so yeah the one we watched yesterday was really fascinating as well and um she stressed that this is this is just a hypothesis for now Though there are numbers that are really starting to make it seem um, like, you know, they're heading down the right path of turning this from my hypothesis into some facts, some hashtag science facts, as we've talked before. And that is that vitamin D deficiency has been, which is like 70% of the U.S. population, by the way, 70% of the U.S. population is technically vitamin D deficient. Um, has been one of the biggest factors for people getting sick from COVID. Um, she threw out all these numbers of uh, and, and all these studies that they've done. I'm not going to go too deeply into it. Uh, you can watch the uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick with Joe Rogan, which I think was just a couple of days ago, if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, uh, according to her, you should take uh, the upper limit is four four thousand. Uh, what is it? UD or ID? Mm, I don't know. Four thousand whatever it's called. Whatever's on the bottle. <laughs> whatever's, whatever's on, on the your bottle. bottle. Take four thousand of that. Four thousand uh, per day. Like our, we have chewable pills that are a thousand UI UD. IU. IU. 
4,000 I use a day. Um, so that's like four, four pills for our chewables, um, which are delicious anyways. And um, she just takes five because even though they say the like health body says 4,000 days, probably the max. She says you can't really get sick at that level. You need to be taking way higher levels for way longer for it to hurt. And there's pills that are 5,000 I use. Um, and so she just takes that and so does Joe. And there's been all these um, areas in the world where people are naturally vitamin D deficient. And all those places have been hit really hard um, by COVID. And she says one, pos one possible hypothesis of why African-American communities have been hit so hard in the U.S. is because they're 28, time 28 times more vitamin D deficient than Caucasians which is just like an insane, insane numbers. Same with why the obese populations are really hard hit, is because in addition to all the other um, health issues that put them at risk, they're also 3x more likely to be, de be deficient. And so that's really like a crazy thing. And she kept kind of making sure to say like, we don't know if vitamin D is gonna protect you from COVID. We don't know if vitamin D is gonna heal you from COVID, but we do know that being deficient in vitamin d is not a great thing if you encounter COVID, mm -hmm. and so um, we heard that and we started pumping up our intake i didn't know what the normal intake was so i'd been taking like one or two thousand a day and then today i took or i haven't yet but i took two but i'm going to take two more and yesterday i took four and we'll let you know how it goes we'll let you know how it goes <laughs> but it's and then she ran through, if you watch the episode, she ran through all these other benefits of vitamin D regardless, even if it does absolutely nothing for COVID, which there's proof that it does. There's already pretty damning evidence that it does do something. We just don't know how much. But even if it does nothing for COVID, um, it just solves so many or helps so many other problems that people have um, apart from that. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting because when you think of being vitamin D deficient, you think like we're all kind of equal in that department and like why are some people more deficient than others? And then she talked about ancestry and whether your genetic makeup is that of someone who would need to uh, basically store vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't, if you didn't um, descend from, a, like if you descended from somewhere sunny, there, your genetic makeup is not to store to vitamin D. You're going to get vitamin D every day. Like you don't have to hoard it like maybe people who are descendants from the northern hemisphere where we live in darkness for up to six months out of the year. What's she talking about? Somalis. They did the Somali test uh, in somewhere in Europe where Sweden they had. Sweden or? Yeah, I think it, yeah, it was like Sweden or something. She was talking about them doing a test because they had that bad outbreak there. And it's like, why? And it, they're all, yeah, they're they're supposed to be in sun. They're, they, mm -hmm. they descend from a place of sun and now you're stuck in darkness. And you're just not built to live in darkness. Yeah, and those communities have been ravaged by this. Yeah. So it's super interesting. And But don't take our word for it. Go listen to the episode and make your own judgment. And even if it doesn't, I mean, yeah, we're all supposed to be taking vitamin D yeah, anyway, so yeah. just get on the train. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> like you said, 70% are vitamin D deficient. So you might as well just take it regardless of whether it's going to save you from COVID or not. Um, speaking of that... Uh, Health Canada has now approved the first Canadian clinical trial for potential COVID-19 vaccine. Oh. So we're in the game. Nice. We're in the game. Um, it's 
it's probably still going to take all that same timeline that everybody's been throwing out there. But um, at the very least, if if we get there, whether it's first or second or third, it means we'll have our own. So if if the kind of world wars, the world vaccine wars break out where everybody's hoarding it for themselves because it's going to take a while to get enough supply for the entire world, um, at least we have... We're, we're in the game, yeah, essentially. Yeah. I'd just like to talk about another small issue with this, and maybe we should all just acknowledge the price animals will pay for us all to stay alive. Like, that first round of trials isn't going to happen on humans. It's probably going to happen on a bunch of different animals until they move up to monkeys. No, these are, these are the first human trials. Oh, sorry. I'm so it's already sure. happened. Yeah. Until it's well, everything deemed that happens safe on rats. enough for humans. And, well, monkeys, it gets to monkeys, and... Anyway, I just hope everyone acknowledges that. Animals do a lot for us. Maybe we should stop eating them. You know, give them a break. We already do a lot of other really bad things to them. Yeah, we should definitely stop doing all the horrible things for them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, more and more into the Joe Rogan camp of, like, hunt what you eat. Like, if you go out there and you're hunting and you use every part of the animal and you do it in, like, a respectful way, then it's, you know, that's closer to what, our ancestors did and kind of in a way what it was I don't know I can't say what it was meant for Mm because who are we to judge but that's how it went for thousands of years Uh, and now this mass farming and or even if you can't hunt because I mean I'm never that was my thing I'm never going to be a hunter so I just don't eat meat Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's not my but I think maybe just eat less like we don't need it Especially now in this like type of society that we have now, we don't need it. I get it. What Some about, people out there about need crickets? it. What about the cricket protein? We just bought our dog some cricket protein-based um, yeah. food. I mean, I'm still not going to eat it. Oh, before when I ate meat, I did eat cricket protein. I tried it. But you don't have a... I mean, bugs is a hard one for me. <laughs> Fuck bugs. Uh, I feel that way in my heart sometimes, but no, I don't want to like mass produce any bugs. But if people needed protein, because like I'm also coming from a place where we have access to fresh, fresh vegetables and bean and this food supply, that is not the reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't care if people are eating bugs and aren't like, you know, well, I don't know, do disease break out from mass farming crickets? If so, then let's rethink that. Mm-hmm. But I know like... You know, and I guess once the studies come out, the crickets have feelings too. I'll probably feel a lot different, to be honest. But just like, I had chickens, and they're just like okay, so. Ra- raised chickens. Yeah, we raised chickens. We didn't eat them, and then even when we lived in Saskatoon, we had a chicken called Kitty, and they're like they bond with people. They recognize you. They're smart. Pigs even more so. Cows even more so. That. And I'm, I'm saying I ate meat for years, but I don't know. Just one day I woke up and I tried it long before the science about dogs came out. I could tell anyone, like even you, you're like, why do you talk to our dog? And I'm like, she understands me. Even if she doesn't understand all the words, like we have a relationship. I said that. I talk to our dog all the no, time. No, like when we're out in public. Oh, <laughs> yeah, keep that shit on the wrap. People think we're insane. I have full conversations with her, but... Yeah, because I knew long before the science came out showing, like, what social animals they were, how they had this large spectrum of feelings and felt depression and all these things. Like, I knew that. I knew. Her dog's definitely going through depression. Yeah, she is. But But anyway, so I just think maybe just eat less meat. If you can't stop, I get it. Everybody has their thing. But if you can't hunt, 
just eat less. Let's just not, there's a lot of suffering out there. Let's not contribute to it. Speaking of eating less meat and most likely suffering, uh, Nando's, the chicken chain, for those of you who do not know, um, just announced they're going to be closing two dozen locations across Canada, including four in Metro Vancouver. Um, we eat Nando's fairly, fairly regularly. I uh, was introduced to them while traveling in Australia. I thought it was just an Australian thing. Did they start there? Is that where it's Yeah, from? that's where we saw it was in Australia, and then they came to Canada. Right, and like in Australia, like here it's it's good too, but I remember the first time I ate Nando's in Australia, and I was just like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. Um, I did and, not feel the same way, but I am like a way pickier eat meat eater. When I ate so meat, I was good. still like... And the fries with the sauce. Oh, their fries are good, yeah. They're like better than any of the fast food chains by a long mile. But anyways, they're closing, in Vancouver at least, they're closing uh, Tawasson, South Burnaby, New Westminster, and North Vancouver. And the announcement they made is all the stores we've closed were already kind of in a thin spot financially, and now COVID's really wiped it out. Um, so yeah, that's another big chain that's having to make some huge cutbacks. Yeah. I think all those businesses, like when you're a chain, it's tough to survive. Like you think you have your franchising fee, most likely. I doubt they're all centrally owned. It was like half and half, like the ones they close. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then your overhead and like your labor, like what at best you're making, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they have different margins, but even if you're making like a 26% margin, you have to get that in volume to cover your overhead. Mm. Yeah, the franchising never really seemed like, just start your own thing. Like, yeah. Like, I guess you get the brand recognition. It's like, maybe if it's a Starbucks or but a McDonald's. But you also get everything. But, like, you get all the branding yeah. and the menu, and it's yeah. decided. Like, all you're doing is running. You're doing the operations. You're not doing the marketing. And right. Like, so. But it just seems like it's, like, that added cost is just so huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the thing. Yeah. And um, more COVID non-food news. Are you still recording? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Did we turn it on? <laughs> so we're just like talking to ourselves. <laughs> it's like uh, we're using my phone today and my phone auto locks because of my work. So. Uh, so Vancouver finished sixth on the list of 33 cities for average monthly rent for all property types for a one-bedroom home at $1,894. So $1,900. For a one-bedroom house, uh, apartment. apartment, and third for average monthly rent for a two-bedroom at twenty-five hundred. Twenty-five hundred for a two-bedroom apartment. That's right. what I'm telling you. Like, yeah. So, it's yeah, crazy. For a few hundred more outside of Vancouver, you can get a full detached house. Right. It's crazy. So when we were thinking of whether staying here or going out there, we we're like, well, for like the same price, we're getting a house mm-hmm. instead of just upgrading to one more bedroom, which is probably not that big of a deal as far as square feet is concerned. It's just like they throw in a wall and add a couple hundred square feet, and there you go. You just yeah. doubled your rent. Um, but as far as COVID is concerned, month over month, Vancouver rents were down 5.6% for a one-bedroom and 15.8% for a two-bedroom. Really? In April. So it's like a small sample size, but... Yeah, we didn't see it when we uh, were looking. We didn't know. I did not see that. Like, it was on um, like rent.ca or... And I tried Craigslist. Yeah, Craigslist like, not. When I searched 2500 
in Vancouver, like downtown Vancouver. That was when I found four, I found four listings for $2,500. Mm-hmm. And like three of them were dumps. Like we would not have lived there. Yeah, home sales too. So in April, it, uh, home sales fell to their lowest level since 1984. Uh, they fell 66% in Greater Toronto and 51.5% in Greater Vancouver. But the crazy part, so like homes have dropped off the map, at least in April, again, small sample size. But that's because nobody is going out and buying right now and nobody wants to deal with selling right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody's kind of locked down. So the crazy thing about it is that even though we've had a drop of like a a minimum of half, um, prices have basically stayed the same. And that's like the same. We were out in Coquitlam looking at like townhouses and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, a townhouse in Coquitlam is still 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. Like it's still. Well, those weren't. No, 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 not, like when we looked at that, okay, so that house that was kind of in that community, that one was like 1.1 something. But in another part of Coquitlam, when I was trying to figure out how much the townhouse where we were, like how much it might have been worth, when I found like an area close to there, the townhomes were 1.1 million. Hmm. Like that wasn't even the detached homes within the like community. Yeah. So, I mean, it's showing that, well, we don't know. It's showing that either people haven't really realized what's happening or haven't packed, panicked enough yet and are still holding out hope or it's showing that the Vancouver market is just strong enough that like the I think the most it's dropped is in pricing at least is like one to two percent at yeah. most I think the supply isn't there to make it drop enough like no one's offloading they're probably just yeah. all waiting till they can actually have an open house yeah or mm-hmm. it's just like hasn't gotten bad enough and then like if this continues through summer or winter then maybe we're going to get some when like, people are just trying to dump. But maybe, maybe people who have second like People second who homes, need the money. Probably people who need I, the money I, will do it. It's hard to say because in Canada we have different mortgage rules. So like it's harder to get into a precarious situation where losing your job for a few months would make you lose your home. Like I'm sure there are people, there are people that over, are over leveraged for sure. Those mm-hmm. people will show up at some point. But I think for the same, the same thing that happened, like when the U.S. had the recession, it didn't happen here as badly. Like it did, but not to the extent it did. And then after we had that, then the mortgage rules here changed as well. So it's not as easy to become like people are going to be able to survive a few months, even if they lost their job. And like they could what start renting out part of the house. They could find alternatives. They could rent out their house and move to a smaller place. Well, we definitely saw that when we were on Craigslist looking is that there is a ton of people renting out like the mm-hmm. upstairs floor or, yeah. the bo- or the bottom floor. Or a room in their house. Remember yeah. when they, they showed pictures of the house and it's like everything shared, but you get a room. And like in a house? Like, so you want a roommate? Or, or maybe those are the people that do international students. Yeah, Maybe international that. students or Airbnb, Airbnbs are starting to come onto the market. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, but the Airbnbs, don't those make you mad? Because they advertise them at the rent. So say they're like, you can have this house for $2,800 a month for two months. And then it goes up to the that's price. They're, they're still dreaming. Yeah. Right? And I was like, what? If you didn't read that, you would have wasted all the time of going there yeah. and getting there and being like, oh, your rent goes up to 3500 after two months. And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> but they are starting to come on the market, which is like that, the, that's the thing that gave me some pause before we signed. I was like, man, if we wait like two or three months, might be able to get a much better deal and much nicer property. And then it's like, well, if you wait two or three months, you've waited out your summer, which is what's the point at that point, you know, mm-hmm. like 
this is the time where you want to have some freedom and be outside and yeah well and also I don't like so that was basically where we were at we're like oh my gosh now our rent is it getting into mortgage payment area should we just buy and so yeah we started talking with BMO and trying to get that sorted but then there was a part of me that's like well if we rent we can always break a lease agreement mm-hmm. like oh well some bad blood shit happens and we'll just go live with family if like one of us lost our jobs or like even staying in this place we've always had it set up that one of us can be unemployed and we are fine like we can survive on either income we're fine and now we're kind of moving into the next territory of like okay if one of us loses our job we have like six months where we're dip- really dipping into our savings and then what happens if we're not employed so yeah, this is new territory, I think, where it's like, okay, now, well, if anything happens, we're looking at our savings. Whereas if we owned, it's like that savings, we would have needed that for a down payment, so we wouldn't have had, like, a six-month mm-hmm. cushion. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, it put us in a different risk area in that's, a time when you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's things, especially in a time where, like, in six months, if shit goes poorly for the next six months, you're probably going to be able to get a much better deal. Yeah. Uh, if the economy really crashes, if the next re- recession, well, crashes more, if the re- next recession really kicks in, even post-COVID, uh, as people have been predicting for the last bunch of years, then, um, yeah, it's not, it's not never fun to buy at the top of the market, as I've learned uh, mm-hmm. too many times in, in day trading. Um, that's a bad spot to be in. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and the other thing is, too, we've never lived outside of Vancouver, like, I think that's, we can't afford to buy in Vancouver unless we buy an apartment. <clears throat> so we've lived yet. in... Yet. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Yet. But I mean, like, right now, if we yeah. bought now, like, we're either in a two-bedroom apartment in Vancouver or a townhome somewhere else. So what does that mean? Well, townhome somewhere else, if we hate it, we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't sell again until the market goes up enough that we get back all the extra money that we put in towards buying a house. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit risky. And so this will be our test. Like, do we, do we survive? I mean, I lived in North Burnaby for six months. I moved right back. I hated it. I just hated it so much. I hated living in the suburbs. But it was a different time in my life. I didn't have kids. I was still driving child. down. I was still driving downtown and just leaving my car downtown. Some going, nights. going clubbing. <laughs> like, oh, Those days my, are long gone, Leaving baby. my car in Gastown, taking a risk. Long gone. <laughs> Ain't nobody staying out all night. <laughs> yeah, so maybe now I'll be fine. Be just fine. And uh, maybe finally, ventilators have been involved. A high percentage. A ridiculously high percentage. Oh God, you just said it like Parker. What? Ridic- rid- the way ridiculously. Ridiculously. <laughs> high percentage. Uh, this isn't a light statement, so... <laughs> Uh, of COVID deaths and um, there's a, like 80% of people who have been put on uh, I think this was in New York 80% of the people who have been put on ventilators um, have died and the question is by the, oh. is there a problem with getting on ventilators because the theory behind that camp is that it it kind of shuts down your body and not like their body is no longer fighting fighting for itself mm-hmm. and then just like oh this is easier and just lets the ventilator and then it's not fighting and then you die or if you're on the other side it's like well by the time you're being put on a ventilator it's almost like expected that you would have a, a really high mortality rate because you're it's only the worst of the worst who are who have gotten to that point so it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense 
but um, yeah, that, that's like an interesting debate. And a lot of doctors apparently now are saying, do not go on the ventilator. Yeah. If you get it like fight or die sort of thing, yeah. uh, don't, don't put your body in a position where it has the option of just saying, oh, okay, you're going to do this for me. I'm going to stop, stop fighting for it. Um, but that's really interesting. So I was watching this thing on Instagram where I get all my news and, uh, there's this guy who had COVID and I was watching his story and he was saying, um, basically don't give up and keep exercising your lungs. He's like, don't let your lungs get weak. This is how you're going to live through this thing. And like, he was near the end and he was coming through recovery. And he said that he had a really great doctor. And that was the doctor's advice is that the the disease is going to make you, or the virus is going to make you feel like, excuse me, that you can't breathe and like you have that fluid in your lungs and all these things. And he was like, you got to, anyway, I don't know if it works, but his point was that like, don't stop breathing. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to make you feel like you want to stop breathing. But the point is to keep your lungs as strong as they can and keep like using them. And that's how he was recovering. So that's funny that that comes out. And I watched that a few weeks ago where he was just like telling people like, don't give up. You got to keep fighting through it. And that's how you're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's why. Because he, uh, he was from the Eastern States. I think one of um, Joe Rogan, uh, one of his friends who was actually like a, a young, healthy person who got COVID really, really badly. And they wanted to put him in his vent- on a ventilator. And the only reason was because his doctor was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Really? And then he ended up surviving. And whether he would have survived otherwise or not, nobody knows. But his doctor told him, do not do it. Interesting. So yeah, That was this guy's doctor, too. He's yeah. like... No, keep so, fighting. Yeah, it seems like that's a more common thing these days. So something to consider. Mm-hmm. If anybody you know is ever in a situation and are trying to make a decision, um, turn down the turn on Joe Rogan. <laughs> like with all of life's problems. Yeah, it's a tough call because when you're in that position, what do you do? Like, But then again, I don't know. It's risky. I don't know. I don't know what I would do it's if risky. you're so tired. Yeah, it's risky either way. I mean, I don't know that there's a right answer, but they're definitely seeing high, high rates of death. So, like, even if you are supposed to be on a ventilator at that point, it's like, well, I'm you know. still only a 20% chance to make it through. So yeah. why not just take the the other risk? Like, how much lower of a chance am I going to have not doing it? Yeah, that's a tough call to make. But I guess, yeah, if you knew, if you knew that. And I mean, some people know they're less than 20, so who knows? Yeah. Oof, that's dark. But okay. What's your you have something light to end it on here? <clears throat> uh no. <laughs> it's like no, it's all doom and gloom. <laughs> that was that was not a doomy and gloomy, just we just ended on the on the on the wrong note. Um yeah. go out. No, don't go out. Stay in. Uh <laughs> order Nando's, support Nando's. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, you can get their fries. Oh, actually, you know what? Nando's does have a vegetarian menu. I don't eat anything on the vegetarian menu. I'm sure it's Because of all the cross-contamination. And also, it's mostly gluten. A lot of it has gluten in it. But I do eat their fries. Like, I'm sure their fries, who knows if they're vegetarian, to be honest. But Maybe I have one positive thing. Um, A friend of ours 
posted a post that we reshared that's been doing extremely well. I think it really connects to a lot of people and that's why we shared it because we thought like, oh wow, that's deep and meaningful for right now and totally on brand for uh, 2020. And it's like, if you've seen the post on our Instagram or Facebook, by the way, we're on Facebook now, Social Witness, the Social Witnessing Podcast. Back on Facebook. Back on Facebook for the first time in like five years. Um, and it's an image of a mirror with that someone has written on it. When everything is uncertain, everything that is important becomes clear. Which I think, like, for me, how we always ask people, like, what's your takeaway? What's your positive spin on what's been going on? I think that's definitely one of the big ones where you really... You realize who's important, what's important in your life. You start to kind of look forward toward, you look towards the future and think, was I on a path that even makes sense or like that has any sort of value? Um, and if not, or at least if in part not, then what am I going to do when this is all over? Um, who are my real, who are the people who are closest to me? Um, not just by default, by, by action and, um, true connection and also i don't know for me it's been like how do i how do i make this experience better for other people even though we're all suffering in some way is there a way that i can do my part in making their time easier mm -hmm. and um i think that's put that all into clear to clear made it more clear um and even uh, i was saying this to michelle the other day is this in many ways, this COVID situation, not to downplay anything that anybody has had to gone through, and there's been a lot of tragedy through it. But on a personal level, this has been a gift for me uh, to have gotten to spend this time, this much time with Parker, with our son, which I never would have otherwise. Uh, and generally, I was working all the time when it came to like evenings, weekends, when I would be kind of part of um, it would just be for like an hour or two here and there a certain mm -hmm. activity that I join and now to have these it's been what two, two more months. two months a bit more than two months two, yeah a bit more than two months of me and Parker day in day out and I was saying to Michelle I can really tell like I can really really tell with him now that his attachment has grown that sometimes when me and Michelle are like in different rooms doing our own thing and he would always used to just stay with Michelle he'll come in and want to hang out with me. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I guess, uh, debating whether to tell the story. But, uh, <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> I can tell. It's fine story. It's my first one. It's my uh, first dad's more. Um, yeah, I had a, a con... I was kind of joking around with Parker, uh, saying to him one day, um, one day you'll really appreciate how... Like, I was being... I was just being silly with him. And I was like, one day you're really going to appreciate how good of a dad I was to you. Like he was giving me a hard time about something. And I was just joking around and said that to him. And he kind of like almost like under his breath said, I know. And that was like the biggest, I mean, that was like everything, even like it made me tear up then. And it kind of starts to make me tear up now. Um, because I've always said things like that before or just, you know, tell him how much he means to me. And he just kind of like takes it in, but doesn't really respond. 
So just even those two little words I know um, just made me feel like, you know, you're doing it because that's that's been my journey through the last six years, almost seven years is every day I, I sit at the end of the day and I reflect how did I do today as a parent? How did I do today as a dad? Um, also other things like husband and well, mostly those two things, dad and husband, but definitely the husband, the dad part comes first and I try and improve every day and to have those two little words kind of almost in passing just meant the world to me and um, I don't know that I would have heard those two words um, if if COVID hadn't happened I just I feel like I would have missed the the boat in some way like we were we've always been close and we always are connected but never at the level that I wanted and I'd lie in bed at night and just wish like damn, why, could, why can I do this better? Why can I have handled that interaction better? And now it feels like there's more times where I lie in bed and think, fuck, you killed that. Good job, man. But I think also before, like, because Parker and I are both, well, he's, he's a mix, like we're extroverts. We were out all the time. Mm-hmm. So Parker and I did everything together because we're out all the time. Mm-hmm. We're never home. Like, even, like, your family has mentioned it. Like, oh, what are Michelle and Parker doing? Like, we have our days planned a week in advance. Like, if you're scheduling time with me and Parker, uh, yeah, we're booking for next week. Like, we've always had... So, I think that's really changed things. And that's not the story I thought you were going to tell. I thought you were going to tell today's story. When Parker came in, he said something to me. <laughs> and this is, like, the first time it's happened. And he was like, what do you say? Like, dad's more Because he was, like, zapping you with something. He was like, this is, like, a ray gun or whatever. Yeah. And he had just come to me in the kitchen and done that. Or this is a, a hypnotizer gun. Oh, he has a hypnotizer gun. And he hypnotized me. And so I just like acted like I was a hypnotizer. <laughs> I was hypnotized. And yeah. then he came to you. And I was packing. And I was like, oh, look, I got zapped. <laughs> and what did he say? He was like, that's way more fun. I was like, what? What did you like, just what? say to me? That's not more Like, I'm like, you're literally holding two things that I've unearthed that you're playing with and running around having a grand time. And he's like, yeah, but he's a way better actor. <laughs> and that, like, hurt me deep in my soul. Because you used to be an actress. Because <laughs> I used to be an actress. It's like, mother... Ah, like, get out of here, I'm packing. <laughs> And then you tried, like, the next time he came in, you tried to act, and he was like, mm, Dad does it better. Dad does it better. I'm like, get out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. The funny thing, too, is that when I was doing it, when he came and he zapped me, I kind of, like, almost did it half-assed. And then when he left, I was, like, in one of those moments where I'm feeling like, oh, I should have been a better dad there. Like, I was cooking. I was trying to make dinner. And so I was just kind of half-assed, like, being hypnotized. And then he went, and then he said, Dad's better. And I was like, nailed it. Nailed it. Even at 50%, still nailed it. Like, who wakes up with you at 7 in the morning every freaking day? <laughs> Get out of here. But, yeah, I feel like COVID has really brought more balance because you're right. You guys were out a lot, and I am much more antisocial and an introvert. And going out is... Um, Draining. Training, like when you study yeah. introverts and how it works for them, even if they're in a situation where they're happy, like even in a situation where they're with friends or family and it was a fine time and like you still like I come home, it's like when we go out for a bunch of hours um, to visit people or to, to run errands or whatever, Michelle knows when we come home, I just like instantly just check out 
Like, I, I think sometimes, like, I'd say 50% of the time in the car, you'll be like, I'm done. Yeah, and I like, know we're going to get home and you're, like, gone. Yeah. And I yeah. just need to, like, yeah, I need to sit by myself and not talk to anyone. And then if people are still, like, expecting that engagement, I just don't have it. And so, yeah, I say I'm done because I've learned that that's what I do. And I at least like to, you know, give a give a warning bell. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so, but, but now getting to do this all at home um, and kind of like on my turf where I'm comfortable, where I feel most energized um, has really been a gift. 